the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This fall slash winter is shaping up to be an incredible time to be a sports fan. We've got a World Series. We've got week seven of the NFL. The NBA offseason is here. The NHL offseason is in full swing and plenty, plenty more. Get breaking news, real-time commentary, and long-form journalism, powerful stories, and there's no better place to get it than The Athletic, home to incredible storytelling, relentless reporting, and insightful analysis. The Athletic delivers everything you need in every sport sport that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, get a personalized feed of ad-free content that you simply can't get anywhere else. Visit theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C, get 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Gennetti. Welcome to this edition of the Spot Trap Podcast. We're going to talk a little, little quick football, just a little recap, and maybe some uh, future thinking on a couple of these teams. Then a quick switch to baseball. Bring in Scott Allen. Break down this World Series. You know a lot of the numbers. We're going to give you a couple more, some gambling storylines, things like that. All things World Series, as we have, starting tomorrow, seven, possibly seven straight days of World Series. Awesome. That's just phenomenal. No better way to... Uh, break up an NFL midweek than a World Series in the middle of October. I love it. I want to start here. Um, I got to start with the Minnesota Vikings. I know that's probably not the team you were expecting me to say here because we had, you know, a Packers team get absolutely bulldozed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, You know, the Tennessee Titans appear to be real. They're going to be a a discussion-worthy podcast coming soon here. I want to give them two more weeks to breathe. No pun intended there, but I, I want to touch on the Vikings who are now one and five. And the reason I have to touch there is they're expensive and they are kind of locked in here in a lot of ugly places. You know, they, they really worked hard to keep this core intact. We've spoken about it, you know, and it's not just about that defense and now Dalvin Cook. Yes, they offloaded Stefan Diggs. That's easily the best move they made maybe in the past three seasons in terms of GM work because they replaced a disgruntled, expensive Stefan Diggs with just an absolute burner on a rookie contract in Justin Jefferson. That has worked out immediately in six weeks of work. That has worked out not only on the books, but obviously on the field as well. So I'm going to give them credit where it's due there. And the other thing is this. I, I can't knock him for paying Delvin Cook. He's a heck of a player. And Alexander Madison certainly didn't show up and take away his job this week. Let's put it that way. Nobody on that Vikings team uh, took jobs away this week. That's for darn sure. If anyone's a few may have lost jobs this week, but I don't know what you do. I have to start with the quarterback. Of course, I don't know what you do with Kirk cousins because I think in a normal setting, you know, if the contract aligned with the production here, negatively or positively, you would know what where to go here. We would know what's going to happen after 2020. You know, the writing's kind of on the wall for Jimmy Garoppolo. We kind of know this is Phillip Rivers' final year because he's on a one-year deal, and, you know, there's just probably no sense in bringing him back on anything close to $25 million a year. So, you know, there are quarterbacks out there. Derek Carr, good player, not a great player. Derek Carr is actually a really good comparison to Kirk Cousins. So if Kirk Cousins had Derek Carr's contract, one that is extremely easy to get out of after after 2020, basically – one-year options from here out. I think we'd all be sitting here this morning saying, oh, he's done. He might be done right now. They might bench him and just move on him from, from him, you know, as soon as it's pertinent. It, that's not possible. <laughs> it's just not possible. Um, they extended him to lower his cap hit. That's what they did this offseason. You know, they probably liked him enough to say, all right, we can, we can swallow two more years of Kirk Cousins in, in a Vikings uniform, so we're going to do that. They gave him a two-year, $66 million extension that, for all intents, is fully guaranteed. Now, let me lay it out a little bit so you understand where where we're at here. Right now, obviously, 2020 is fully guaranteed. 2021 is also fully guaranteed. It's a $21 million salary in 2021, fully guaranteed. So you can cut him March whatever, you know, 13, 14, whatever the league year is going to be. You've got three days to do it. And you got to eat that $21 million salary. 
plus $20 million of dead cap to go with it. So you've got to eat $41 million of dead cap immediately. Now you can spread that out a little bit. But it's $41 million, which is a loss of $10 million next year. Okay, again, $21 million salary, $20 million of signing bonus dead cap. That's what they're looking at the first league day. The third league day, 2022, completely locks in. And it's already injury guaranteed. So that's another thing hanging in the balance right now. So if the plan, and you know, maybe they give him two more weeks. If the Vikings are one and seven, you know, it's going to have to be a real conversation about what we're doing with Kirk Cousins going forward. And in that case, you got to sit him. <laughs> because if your plan is to cut him, and you've got an injury concern leading up into next winter, you know, next spring, you're you're now you're in for it because that thirty-five million dollars in twenty twenty-two injury guaranteed now fully guarantees the third league day of, of next season. So there's a three-day gap for you to have the chance to take on forty-one million dollars of dead cap instead of forty-one million plus thirty-five million, so seventy-six million. It, it's big. These are big, big numbers. Okay, um, but I, I have to tell you. I, I think there's a viable chance that what I'm talking about comes to fruition and the Vikings consider we got to just pay this guy to go away. We got to start fresh. We got to draft somebody. Be, be, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because even if you if, even if you wanted to do like an Alex Smith situation, right? All right, we're going to be bad. We're going to draft somebody for sure. We're going to, we're going to get one of these top three quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, in a perfect world, we would keep Cousins on the roster, let him be the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes for a year, and, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Tua situation right now, of course, and go from there. But you can't do that because the second he's on the roster, the third league day of next year, $35 million guarantees in 2022. You're not doing that with a rookie quarterback on your roster. So <laughs> I, I just think there's a very, very good chance that right now that Kirk Cousins becomes part of the conversation with, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. The list goes on. The money's bad. It's good for him. I mean, this is an outstanding work by his agent, but, you know, you can't be one in five leaning towards, you know, maybe three and 13 on the season and recover from that. So let's say Cousins sticks. Because the numbers I just gave you are gaudy. You know, I don't know that they want to take a $10 million bath, a $41 million dead cap, dead cap bath to move on from this guy. He's bad, but I don't know if he's that bad right now. You know, he's average at times. He has times of being above average, and he has times like yesterday where he looks like he's completely lethargic. So let's just assume, all right, the contract's too bad. We got to stick this thing out for two more years, for two more years. Okay, unless they just literally want to go completely zero out in 2022, pay him the 35 million to cut him after 2021 and take a 45 million dollar zero savings dead cap hit. I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible. But I uh, let's just assume for next year's purposes, he's on this roster. What then do you do? Because something has to give. They have pumped so much money into this defense and the one contract they didn't sign is Harrison Smith's franchise tag. Excuse me, Anthony Harris's franchise tag at $11.5 million, A free safety who's, you know, not been great, to put it nicely. The defense has been poor, and they showed it yesterday to an Atlanta team that we know can score points. But that's a game you got to win. In the grand scheme of 2020 scheduling, that's a game you got to win if you're, if you're Minnesota. And if you do, you kind of write your ship a little bit, right? I mean, two and three. It's just a better situation. So I, I don't know exactly know where to start with this team. But I will say this. Trades have to be coming. I mean, Adam Thielen's barely touching the ball. I, don't, I know he's been banged up a little bit. I know the entire offense is a little bit off kilter right now with Cook out. I, I, I'm positive that the implementation of Justin Jefferson has changed everybody's mindset a little bit on that offense and into how things should run. They are definitely, you know, they're using Jefferson where they weren't using Diggs right now in terms of that deep threat, that big bomb and uh, places like that. And they seem reluctant to go over the middle a little bit more with Thielen, certainly with cookout as well. But 
what's going to be the breaking point? You know, can they shake something up on this roster? I mean, Anthony Harris right now holds a 57 grade from pro football focus. That's out of a hundred folks. Okay. So, you know, I sit here and say, maybe, maybe because he's on the one year franchise tag tender, a, a team looking for veteran secondary help could pull off, you know, the, the remaining 7 million of that contract. I still think that's possible. And I, and I identify a team like Tampa Bay right out of the gate. That's, you know, a fringe team right now that has a, has a really good chance to gain some momentum and go. But that, to me, that secondary is the weakest part of that defense. So they did just acquire a defensive lineman from the Jets. That's a good move. Anybody, you know, the Jets are open for business. There's no question about that. I guess the point of this conversation is shouldn't Minnesota also? So should a player like Anthony, Anthony Harris be moved off that franchise tag right now? Give them a little bit of relief. Get get some of this because that's really what this is about. They've got to shed some cash and some cap right now. Have to do it. Have to do it. And I know some of these numbers can be funny and you know massaged as needed, but here's one that just really never loses. <laughs> it's it's kind of undefeated, and it's the dead cap number. You know, if you're top ten in dead cap, certainly top five in dead cap in a given season, something specifically went wrong. Okay. Now, we know why Minnesota sits with their dead cap. It's, it's almost all tied to digs. So that's a little bit, and they're 10th in the league. So you can, you can kind of use this metric as a fringe metric for the Vikings. But if we flip the script on this and look at the teams that just aren't carrying any dead cap, like literally less than 8 million, there's about five in the league right now. Here are the five teams, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Green Bay, San Francisco, and the Vegas Raiders. Those are your, your lowest five dead cap teams in the league. Pretty good records. Pretty solid records. Okay? And then, you know, the next three after that are the Chargers, the Saints, and the Steelers. So do what you will with that. Just not a lot of movement. Not a lot of movement. A lot of, a lot, you know, Tampa Bay certainly brought in a new quarterback, but they also got rid of a pretty expensive current quarterback. Jameis Winston was on a, you know, a 21-change Fifth-year option, they bring in Brady on $25 million. And they let Jameis walk. They didn't have to do anything contractually to get out of that contract. Now, Tampa Bay just doesn't structure their deals with bonuses ever. So they're not going to have dead cap. So they're always going to be on this in, in this conversation. The Bills have gone through some, some years where they've extremely led the league in dead cap. I mean, they have purged to start their rebuild twice in the past six, seven seasons. It's just part of the business for them. But, you know, Green Bay... Pretty, pretty close to the vest. San Francisco has, has had its ups and downs. They were way, way up there. They had $120 million of cap space a couple of years back and, and started to build this thing up from the scratch. And Vegas has done the same since, uh, since that Mayock-Gruden situation took over. So, you know, it's not cut and dry. But teams that are spending money and allocating their cap towards their active roster, generally speaking, that works out. That works out. And that's just not the case with Minnesota. So... Yes, there's been injuries. You know, maybe the loss of Diggs has really shaken things up a, a, enough to where that offense just isn't ticking right now. But, of course, we got to start with Cousins. So let's just say, let's say they do try to gut this roster in some fashion. Here are the names that stand out to me. I mentioned Anthony Harris on that franchise tag. I do think that's got some value, even though, you know, analytically speaking, he's not worth a dime right now. Um, they re-upped Kyle Rudolph, kind of like a restructured extension, again, for cap purposes. They do this a lot. They did that last year, um, and it's fine. They gave him $9 million a year. He's now 30, heading towards 31. He's got three and a half years left on that contract. After this season, it's pretty right side up. There's no more guarantees. You can save about $5 million to cut him. So do you get ahead of that? Because... What that says to a team that's looking to acquire him would be, okay, we got, we got a one-year deal here, not even a one-year deal. We can completely make our decisions next year. There's going to be no dead cap for us after 2020, none, to a new team because the Vikings will eat the dead cap of that bonus and it goes away from there. So, you know, you, you see three years left in a contract for Kyle Rudolph and you say, oh, that's not tradable because he's third, going to be 31 and he's slightly above average at best right now. No, it, it's not. As a rental player, he's... Probably a nice option. Not as nice as Zach Ertz, but Ertz is banged up. And I'm not sure that's he's going to be healthy all year. So if we're talking about teams, you know, in the middle to low part of the standings that are looking to get rid of players, 
the tight end position is always one that that there's movement with. You know, we, we've mentioned O.J. Howard. He's injured. We mentioned Njoku. He's battling injuries in Cleveland, just trying to come back from that. I'd still put him on the block, though. Kyle Rudolph's on the block, in my opinion. And, you know, it's not, it's not, it's going to cost the team about three, $3.5 million. That's it for the remainder of this season to, to pull him in. And then, like I said, their complete option years after that. So, you know, if you're a team that's contending and looking for some more depth at that position or flat out somebody gets injured and you need help, and there's going to be teams like that. You know, I think Seattle could use an upgrade there. Uh, I certainly think Green, Green Bay could, all things considered. You know, Robert Tanyan and his little run here, but. There's teams that are competing that could use this. Who knows what's going to happen with those Pittsburgh tight ends? We've seen them go up and down before. So I uh, I put him on the list. Let's start there. Anthony Harris, Kyle Rudolph, and I'm going to put Adam Thielen on this list as well. And I know he may be your best offensive weapon, especially with Delvin Cook out. But similar situation, they gave him a restructured extension last year, which was really a good faith move, You know, especially not knowing that they're going to move on from Diggs. He was wildly underpaid on that first extension. That bridge extension was four years, less than $20 million. I mean, we're talking less than $5 million a year for a player who was probably winning you fantasy leagues in 2017-18. So last year's extension was certainly worthy, and he's still a hell of a player. He's 30, same as Rudolph, 30, heading towards 31. And in terms of wide receivers, there's no issue there. I mean, he can still play ball, especially because he's not – you know, a, a downfield threat for, to say he's more of an across the middle out pattern kind of guy, PPR gem. So, yeah, teams want that too. You know, the Patriots need to replace Julian Edelman. Clearly, this would be a move they would make, in my opinion. You know, San Francisco could always use more depth at this position. New Orleans needs more depth at this position. You know, Green Bay, <laughs> we know, needs more wide receivers. Ask Aaron Rodgers. But what I'm saying is, I think there's a market for this guy. I think these are assets that the Minnesota Vikings should be loading up on now the second that they deem this season is dead. Now, you know, are you going to mortgage your future even though you have to keep your quarterback? I, that's a tough call. But they, like I said, and I opened it with this, they were successful in replacing Stefan Diggs with a draft pick immediately. So do it again. Do it again. Now, you know, Adam Thielen's not crazy expensive. Yes, he's, you know, $16 million a year to boot, but over the next couple of seasons, he's going to be 11 and change next year, 12 and change the year after that. And the guarantees pretty much fall off after this season. You know, there's some, there's a small guarantee in next year's salary that locks in next March. Nobody's going to worry about that. He's still a nice player. So again, there's term left on this contract. This should pull in a nice asset. Are they going to do it? I think it's a less than 50% chance because it's an absolute admission that you are, you are essentially starting over with your roster. You can rebuild on the fly. You've got enough pieces. You've paid enough players. You know, you just need better production out of some of these guys. But where can you get value right now on the fly and also replace that player? And I think Thielen's one of those players. I think you can go back into the draft or even go out there and find a free agent wide receiver. That, there will be some that can put up comparable production at a lesser price. That's all I'm saying. And they need to do that. That's part of the game here because they're going to have cap issues next year. The whole league's going to have cap issues next year. So it's time for them, like many teams have, have been doing, to start thinking about allocating the funds properly for next season. He'd be a tough guy to lose. I, I am not trying to throw him under any kind of bus in this, in this maneuver here. I'm just saying the contract is right there on the fringe where I think it'd be a good enough pullback in an asset and also benefit the other team as well. Okay. The last player is this. <laughs> Look. The Cousins deal has a signing bonus on it. As I mentioned, it's got $20 million of dead cap and signing bonus, which means the, the receiving team would, would get him at $21 million guaranteed next year and then $35 million guaranteed the year after that. My guess is 31 teams in the league, and probably 32 at this point, but 31 teams in the league know exactly who Kirk Cousins is and want no part of it anymore. He's just at the point of, He's not only has he plateaued, but it's completely, you know, it's starting to erode at this point as well. And he's going to have his weeks. You know, he's probably going to come back in week seven and shut us all up. But that's just what he is. That's the roller coaster ride you have with Kirk Cousins. That's why having two more years guaranteed ahead of him is so scary <laughs> because not having consistency, not having reliability is just the worst at this position. It's the worst, not just from a fantasy and a betting standpoint, but I know there's a lot of you out there, but also just from 
how do you build your team? How do you continue to build your team? You know, Minnesota went all in on the fact that Cousins was going to steady the ship, that he was going to be good enough to maneuver and handle this offense. And they put every able body that they had available around him on good prices, including the Rudolphs, including the Delvin Cooks, including the, the Thielens. They even had paid digs and had to trade him on the contract in the middle of that sucker. So, you know, they had given, they had shown every good faith move possible with Kirk Cousins, with the current roster. And it's probably the classic case of falling in love with too many people too quickly. It happens. I think there's a lot of smart people in, in, in the NFL right now that are, that are raising their eyebrows still at the Delvin Cook contract. You just didn't have to do it. Delvin had no leverage. Zilch. And maybe Madison isn't the kind of player that Delvin Cook is, but you can probably bring in three running backs at a much lesser cost than what you had to pay Delvin and get ample production. That's what we've seen in, on all of these rosters. Anybody who watched Sunday Night Football last night, you don't even know which running back the 49ers are throwing out there on every given snap. You just don't know, but they're all going to produce. You know, they're going to have their ups and their downs, but they're going to be, the numbers are going to be there for those players, both out of the backfield as a receiver and as a three-down running back. They've assembled a roster where everything's interchangeable, and it worked, worked. Obviously, last year it worked. It's starting to kick back in this year now that Garoppolo's a little bit healthier. That's not what Minnesota decided to do. They decided to put a player in a position and pay that player a market price. It's old school thinking. Okay. It's it's slotting versus adding depth, you know, interchangeability, committees, whatever you want to call it. But this Minnesota roster is built old school. We have eleven positions. We have viable backups for each. Our position players are worth X dollars. Our backup players are worth X dollars. Let's move forward. Let's try to win the NFC. It hasn't worked. They've gotten close. I can't say it's been a disaster. But it's old school mentality, and when you get here, you're stuck. You're stuck. You have to move. You have to make trades, especially with the financial situation the league is going to be in now. It's going to be, you know, not as dire, I think, as we've originally anticipated, but it's going to be bad. It's going to, the cap's going to drop. So a team like this that is going backwards in the standings but forwards financially has to, has to remedy that somehow. And I think that starts with trades. So as the trade deadline approaches, which we're about two weeks away from now, Yes, the Jets are open for business. I would imagine the Giants are open for business. I would imagine Washington's open for business. Um, you know, Miami, to some degree, has already done their work, you know, but they'll continue to, to tinker, I would imagine. Outside of that, this is your team. You know, this is a team that was in the NFC postseason the past couple of seasons and is now treading water. And that means there's talent on this roster, but it's not being utilized properly or something's not working. And there are, there are players with skill, with contract term, that isn't going to break other teams' banks that should be of value to those new teams. So, you know, whatever those three, four, five players could be, now is the time to identify them. Now is the time for teams to be scouting these things, figuring out the money, figuring out the assets. But Minnesota needs to be thinking draft and cap relief right now if they're going to continue to go down this path, which it does look like they will be. Okay, that's enough for the uh, bashing of the Vikings on this Monday morning. I want to get to some baseball because it was a hell of a weekend. It really was. That's a lot of fun to watch. I hope a lot of you got to it at least a little bit. There's some swagger to these teams. Tampa Bay is a bunch of unknowns who are just playing their butts off. And they could not be two different rosters. That's certainly the case. Let's bring in Scott and I'll talk about the World Series. Joining the Hip Rate Hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. Happy World Series Monday. The one day off they get here. Initial thoughts before we dive into the numbers. Uh, I was way wrong. <laughs> uh, um, no, remind the people who the your picks were again. Yeah, <laughs> o- Oakland and San Diego, but I did have Tampa Bay and Atlanta in in the championship series there. Right. So, but I picked the wrong two. Um, you know, Dodgers and the the, uh, the Rays. They're the two best teams, so yeah, it went chalk, you right? can't ask for anything better right now. Yeah, you, you can't ask for anything better. Um, I, I, I haven't done a lot of digging. What's the last time the last uh, two number one seeds uh, have been in the World Series? You know off the top of your I head? I don't know. No. I, so I, I just think it is going to be um, – the, the storyline is going to be large payroll versus 
no payroll um, out of the gate. And I think with Tampa Bay and playing their money ball, it's going to be interesting to see now that they've actually gotten there for a second time here, but more, you know, more recently, how many more teams are going to try to go in their direction or are, are they just an anomaly in, in, in major league baseball in itself that they, they just have a system that works for themselves and it's hard to reproduce from another team's standpoint. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to start is very two different teams in terms of how they're built, very two different teams and how, uh, you know, the style of play, all all of it really is kind of yin and yang, which makes for an interesting baseball. God, as fun as the Braves are to watch, Braves Rays would have been rough. It would have been rough. Rough for the baseball and the ratings and having to go up against football and all that good stuff. But um, this is good. I'm kind of glad we're here. I I had picked Houston and the Dodgers because I just wanted that (laughs) storyline. I wanted wanted Houston and all that angst to get to the finish line and then have the ability to meet this feisty Dodgers team, clearly a feisty Dodgers team, that here's how I look at them. They're young, right? I mean – so many players of importance on this team are crazy young, but I feel like they've been here seven years in a row. <laughs> doesn't know, it feel doesn't like it? that? It feels like it this does. is just like a broken record for this team, and they've done one stupid thing to screw it up every year. So if they can just not do that, that's probably why the gambling numbers we're going to give you in a couple of minutes here look like they do. I mean, it's I, my guess is the smart people in baseball are saying this is theirs to lose. Flat. Tampa can do whatever they've, you know, their gimmicks, their op- their openers, whatever they're going to do, this Randy Razarena magic. I don't know how much more that can last, but, you know, they can keep throwing all this at the wall, but the Dodgers are better. And if the Dodgers don't beat themselves, they're going to win the World Series. Um, I imagine you agree with that. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Groundhog Day for, for the Dodgers. It seems I mean, like it, it. Yeah. It feels like. Uh, every year they're in it and they just can't get over the hump. Maybe this is the year. Maybe the Mookie Betts trade is the, you know, getting over the hump and they're going to finally finally able to, to finish it off and do what they need to. But you know, the Rays are not going to go down without a fight if that's for sure. Um, And you know, not a bad day for Tampa Bay sports yesterday, by the way. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) All right, let's get to the numbers. It, they're pretty eye-popping right out of the gate. The first thing I like to do is is it literally a matchup in terms of the starting lineups. We have it right on the site, actually, and you can, you can check that out kind of an, on a daily basis with many of our sports. But here's how they look. Projected starting lineups for Game 1 of the World Series. The combined... Now, obviously, these salaries are all prorated down for 2020, so they sound a little less than they normally would, but the gap between the two teams is exponentially the same, right? Here's how they look. The starting nine for the Tampa Bay Rays, $8 million. That's less than a million per player, obviously. Mm-hmm. The starting nine for the Dodgers, $39.5 million. Not even close. And oh, by the way, as I mentioned, the Dodgers aren't old vets. There's no bloated Miguel Cabrera contract on here. It's Mookie and Justin Turner's final year. And that's really it. A.J. Pollock, maybe an overpaying free agency there, but he's been you know consistent when healthy. That's it. Everybody else are kids. They're all, you know, low arbitration or pre-arbitration contracts. This is a core. This is a potential dynasty is what the Dodgers are. And the fact that they haven't won it yet is kind of a tragedy because we should be talking about them similar to how we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs right now in football where, man, it looks so good, not just for now, but for three years. That's how I feel about the Dodgers. And if this pitching is real and, you know, we're going to talk about how each of these teams kind of has three pitchers then why shouldn't we be considering this team every single year, especially now with Betts locked up? You know, he's kind of the, the grandfather in this roster, assuming they let Justin Turner walk in free agency. But, I mean, the numbers are right in front of you, Scott. Anything to say about him? You, you know the payroll numbers. We can get to that now if you want as well. But it's, uh, it's just it's apples and oranges. What Tampa Bay has been able to do, and maybe, that, maybe that's where we, I, I'm, I'm asking you to speak to, you know, because both of these rosters are young, glaringly they are. young. So how can Tampa Bay be so cheap and, and this good? Really? I, I think it goes to, you know, making efficient trades 
and the scouting department and player development. We talked about this the other day, you know, player development and teams that with the Miami heat, they, they, they focus on that player development. They work on those young kids. Tampa Bay is that same way. They have some kind of analytic department that is doing things so far in advance compared to other teams at this point that they're seeing and projecting players and knowing, all right, we're, we'll make a trade for this guy because we see the potential in him and we may be able to maybe make a tweak here or there. And Or they're drafting guys or bringing in guys that are real low and they're bringing them up through their farm system and and developing them the right way. And they're getting every dollar out of those players that they need to on their low budget. Um, And then you've got the uh, the Dodgers who they've got the young kids, but they also are paying their vets that they need to because they can because of the market that they're in. That's right. that's right. So let me bridge the gap because you're right. It's the Dodgers are one of the biggest franchises in all of sports. Let's just start there. So, yes. And, yes. They have the second highest payroll in baseball right now. That doesn't mean the players you see on the field are billionaires. That's not how this works. Yes. No. Kershaw's overpaid. You know, yes. Kenley Jansen's overpaid based on his production right now. Um, but those are veteran players who have earned the right to have those contracts. So, you know, they're, they're dealing with some dead cap. They've got about 17 million retained salary right now and about 11 million more that's been buried in terms of the minor league contracts. So, you know, that's, you bring, that brings them well under 80 million in terms of payroll, just the active roster. They're kind of getting over a phase. And what's funny about this is there's a guy named Andrew Friedman, who's the, <laughs> the uh, president of baseball operations for the Dodgers, Guess where he came from? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, right. He was one of the early guys in this Tampa Bay franchise that basically said, all right, this is the money we have. You know, it's money ball at its finest. This is the budget you have. You got to make it work. You got to make us relevant. And, oh, by the way, one of the best divisions in all of sports, right, this, this, uh, this AL East. So he did. He turned things around. He got the arrow pointing upward, and the Dodgers poached him in 2014. And what we've seen now from this Dodgers franchise isn't let's throw every dollar at the wall and hope that paying for every, everything we can get works eventually. He's brought them back down to life. He's grounded this big market franchise and said, yeah, we can be big market when we need to be, a la Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw. But other than that, there's just no damn reason to. Okay? It's just reckless. It's reckless. It's like, you know, you don't have to buy the Maserati when you make a million-dollar salary. You can still drive a Toyota. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can do it. It's still going to get you from A to B. You know? Yep. You don't need to do it. So he decided he's, he's going to pick and choose his Maseratis when needed, when the, when the timing is right. And everything else can be Toyotas and Fords and Chevys. And we can, we can win baseball games with those hardworking, blue-collar, young pre-arbitration, pre-arbitration players. Because I did it in Tampa where I didn't have a choice. And now he's doing it here. And he's bridging the gap. And he's got, he's, he's got the opportunity to have a perfect meld of rich and poor. And obviously it's worked because it's been gradually increasing every year for the past four seasons. And there wasn't a single person with knowledge of baseball that, that started 2020, either in July or in March, right? There were two kind of starting points that didn't think the Dodgers weren't the best team in baseball. Everybody thought this was, this was where we were going to be with the Dodgers. Not the Rays. We knew the Rays were good, solid, 90-win team. But, you know, could they get to this point? I don't think anybody really predicted that. The Dodgers, we were all in on, and they're just here to take their winnings at this point. They're the best team in baseball. And they're built, yeah, yeah. But, but they're not built like the old Dodgers and Yankees teams, even though the top of the payrolls, Yankees, Dodgers. It's misleading. Both of those teams have a little bit of money ball mixed into them. Both of them do. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of free agency and a little bit of trades. You mentioned the trades. This Rays team is built well, Scott. Yandy Diaz from Cleveland. Um, yeah, but that's Mar- another... Margot that's- from San Diego. You know, obviously, the entire Pittsburgh Pirates organization is in this World Series right now in terms of Tyler Glasnow, Austin Meadows. You, you know, we had other other teams with... Other, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Charlie Morton was... It's just ridiculous. I feel terrible for him. But 
that's just an example of knowing when to pick your spots. Similar to how we talked about Houston a couple of years back, Scott, with the Verlander move. Yep. Right? Right. Houston was kind of in this boat. Everybody was young. You could tell they were feisty and good. It was time to bring in Grandpa to, fi- to finish the game. And Verlander was that player. So for the Dodgers, is it going to be Betts that's that player? Or is it going to be a Charlie Morton type player for, uh, y- you know, for the Tampa Bay Rays? What's your sense on just the series as we kind of move towards the game a little bit here? I don't know. You know, it, it's, do you, do it's you believe be... in this Tampa team, Scott, or do you think it's just been really timely, fluky stuff? No, I believe in them. Okay. I, I, I think it's no coincidence that the last few years they've been uh, steadily getting better and they're, they're picking and choosing the players that they want on their team for a reason. I just like how this team is built. Everybody's kind of having their moment right now. We've seen that before. Uh, kind of feels like the Cubs team of 2016, that the Royals team of 2015 is maybe a better example. Uh, it just feels like one of those rosters that can win. It's just pitching. It's the only conversation to have is pitching. I did the positional breakdown in terms of how these teams are spent. It's not an, it's not an accident that the Rays have about <laughs> $3 million into their infielders, catchers, and their entire bullpen but their starting pitcher is almost 10 million of their payroll. And it's just how they're operating. It's by, it's not even close. The most important position to them in terms of the finances and the Dodgers are basically saying the same thing outside of Mookie Betts, obviously in his big contract, which is bloating the outfielder position, you know, they paid Kenley Jansen a little bit of money and, and his injury and his health situation has been, you know, a, a rough go for him and the team, but the starting pitching for, for the Dodgers can be outstanding, starting with Walker Bueller, a healthy Kershaw, and Dustin May, and they go from there. But as much as much as has we talked about how Tampa Bay's been gimmicky and used seven pitchers a game and things like that, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and Charlie Morton, that's a pretty darn good top three right there, and that's all you need in this kind of series. Yeah. That's all you need. So it's not fluky where we are. It's not fluky. They, they're built like a real team. It's just they have to do it a little differently from the outside looking in. They have to. They just don't have the finances to go out and bring in, you know, the best free agent pitcher available. They have to acquire by, via trade. They have to, rele- you know, move on from certain prospects. They have to give away ARB2 pitchers at times to get back position players of, of value, which they've done. Those are the kind of things you have to do in a small market. We've talked about that with Cousin Dan a lot in his Cleveland Indians. Very similar situation. The difference between Cleveland and Tampa, and I think it's an interesting comparison, is somehow Cleveland's been able to sign their players to these long-term bridge deals. Corey Kluber, Jose Ramirez, the, the contracts these players are playing on, you know, $10 nine million, $10, $9 million a year for Cy Young MVP candidates, it's just unheard of. And Tampa Bay can't get that done. Now, they did get Snell on a pretty good price on a bridge contract, so that's step one. But Glasnow's going to be up there for an, another arbitration contract. You know, you're going to have a couple. Zunino is going to be a, a a club option, which you know they might might do right by him. He's certainly shown he's his value to this roster. Maybe you give him a little bit of a, a restructure extension on that club option as well. But uh, you know, this roster as a whole is young, cheap, and and in control. They can control it. So it is fluky, but the starting pitching's there now. Charlie Morton may retire. I think probably he's going to, whether they win or lose, he's going to walk away from this thing and say, that's pretty darn good enough for me. <laughs> okay. I've had a, a, a three-year span here that's pretty unmatched in terms of, you know, I'm not a, an above, above average pitcher, but I'm finding my spots and it's working out for me. So I'm just going to walk away from this while I'm at the top of my game. I, I can understand that. I mentioned the free agency with, with the Dodgers. Justin Turner's on this li- that list, a couple of, uh, of relief pitchers, and then, Jock Peterson and Kiki Hernandez, really important role players to that outfield. But I think both, you know, here's the question to you, Scott. Let's say they win the World Series, the Dodgers. Do you continue to push? You know, are you trying to upgrade mm-hmm. here? Are you, are, are you going to push the gamut? Are you going to get back into the tax payroll situation, which it almost certainly seems like they will? Because the arbitration guys are going to get expensive here. You're going to have your they, your, they are. your Bellingers and your Seegers, both who are Seeger especially, who's having a phenomenal postseason. You know, 
if you wanted to pay them long term before you know after this season, you might have to pump the brakes on that unless they really are going to go all in. And I just had a 25 minute conversation about the Minnesota Vikings Scott to open this show. <laughs> and I'm starting to think in my head, that's where they're trying. That's where they could go down the road of, you know, falling in love with everybody, paying everybody, and then getting to a point where you're one in five. <laughs> I, I, I actually think they, that is not the route they're going to go based on the conversation we just had before at who's at the helm. Um, I, I think he's going to know when to cut ties or move on from certain players, and he's going to pick and choose the ones that he wants to retain and sign long term. And then, you know, if you can trade those other players for, you know, farm people or other assets that they need that they can uh, player develop. Sure. And and sort of like the Rays have done a little mix, you know, do a more of a mix with the the Dodgers where you've got these vets that you're paying that, you know, with the the Belliger and the, and the Seager and, you know, you already got bets locked up and, you know, bring in some other guys that you can start getting into your system and, and move them up the chain here. I think that's the route they're going to go. I think they're going to cut ties with players that they don't feel they need to move on with and, or and see. You know, like you said, Peterson and Hernandez, they're free agents. So they'll probably just let them walk and then yeah. see what they where they can go from there. And maybe they maybe they're able to sign someone else in free agency that is going to be able to produce a little bit more. But they have done their analytics on them that they can say, all right, we we think they're in the next two or three years, they're going to produce more than those two players are right now. I'm going to give you a name off the bat here and not to get too off season this year, but. Michael Brantley, Michael Brantley. Oh, that's a nice name. Out of uh, out of Houston, I I, I just think Houston is going to have to cut some of their finances now, even though they had a hell of a run here. You know, whether they keep Springer or not, it's going to be a completely separate conversation. But if Brantley's able to walk, you know, he's not going to be looking for big time pay anymore. He's just not. He's going to want the right roster, the right fit, and Houston is a good fit for him. So going back there makes sense. But that just seems like such a Dodgers fit right now. I mean. You know, a doubles homer guy hits for average. Gonna gonna be, you know, speak softly and carry a big, th- you know, and uh, so keep an eye on that for sure. Because I do think you're right. What what the younger players want is their payday, and they deserve it. You're, you're cost controlled for so many years in this in in Major League Baseball that I'm not I'm never gonna knock a player from saying I gotta go get paid right now. Whether that's playing for the Orioles, <laughs> you know, a 40 win team, or whatever that means. So if Jock Peterson has to go and get paid, go get paid. That's fine with right. me. He's a nice player. He's not a great player. He's a nice player. Go get paid. But the Dodgers will be smart, and they're going to find those veterans that can produce that don't need that payday anymore. And that's what you want. That's, that's how the game has changed so much is, you know, you've got your Aaron Rodgers in football where it's contract one, then it's got to be the biggest contract number two, then it's got to be a bigger contract number three, and we're going to see it got to be a bigger contract number four. Baseball was always like that. It was gradual, gradual, go, 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 go. Miggy Cabrera is still making $35 million a year, folks. It's happening right now in front of our eyes. I know you haven't heard a thing about him on any highlight in the past three years, but he's still making that kind of money. That's how baseball used to be. You, you got paid so little for six years that these guys just absolutely dug their, their cleats in and said, you got to pay me everything possible for the next 10 or I won't be satisfied with it. That's changed. It's, it's get your money. Boom, get your big, huge balloon payment, and then go win. And that's what I think these guys are thinking about at free agency, for the most part. Obviously not the bets and those kind of players, but you know the guys who are on the backside of it a little bit more. There's a little bit more logic in free agency is, is the point I'm trying to make here. No, I agree. And it, it sort of happened with the Nationals last year. It did. And they, got, they had uh, Howie Kendrick and uh, Cabrera, yep. and they were able to pick up these guys that they, they just wanted to win. and. It, worked out for him i think the dodgers could be in that if they do win they could be in that similar boat going into the free agency they'll have like earned you said, the right. where, yeah they'll have earned that right correct yep all right let's move on to some gambling scott i think you're you're leaning dodgers let me tell you where fanduel sportsbook is leaning all right pretty much okay. for the most part i looked at about five different sites and everybody's kind of in the same boat right now it's obviously the Dodgers. The Dodgers at about minus 200. I've seen it a little bit lower than that, minus 210-ish, 225-ish. But for the most part, you're losing money to bet the Dodgers. The problem is mm-hmm. you're, you're only at about a, a plus 170 or so to bet the Rays. 
So in other words, it's basically a pick'em, which makes sense based on everything we just talked about. It's it, it's you know the, the Rays can flukily win any of these games, which brings me to the next point, which I think is really interesting. What do you think the the most uh, gambling friendly line is for the series finish in terms of the games? Mm. Six games. So four two. Yeah. It's actually four to one. Really? Dodgers four to one. Oh, wow. Four two is next. Mm. And a game seven is third after that. Mm. It, it is least likely that the Rays sweep. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah I do. You, you've, you've got. You, Remember, Dodgers this is a Dodgers team that just went down. Oh, three. They did. But I think going into the series, having a day off, they're, they're, they're going to make the tweaks that they need to. I, it's it's hard to bet against the Dodgers not getting at least one game. Um, the, the Like we said, the Rays, they're, they're going to go down swinging. They're going to throw everything, everyone in their bullpen. They're going to do whatever they need to uh, to get a win out. I just think at some point, the Dodgers' bats are going to come really alive. And, uh, I mean, we, we did see it before. I mean, they put up like 12 runs in the first inning or two innings, the, the one game. So um, I, I, I do think it's going to go It's going to go six or seven. I'm going to go six, and I, I'll, I'll go with the Dodgers. Okay. So you're going to bet the chalk then. I mean, that's yeah, why so far. I mean, we're, we have a chalk <laughs> World Series here, so – that that appears to be right. I uh, I think this Rays team is great, great for baseball. You know, I don't love that they rely on the home runs so much, but you know, how many teams is that now? It's half the league at least is basically all in on home runs or strikeouts. You know, and the, we certainly saw that with the Braves and their lack of being able to close it out. Scott, I think the Dodgers sweep this thing. Oh, yeah? You don't think the Rays at least get one? Nope. I do not. I think the momentum is so strong in, in the Dodgers' favor right now. And the swagger's there. And I'm not even worried about Kershaw because I think Walker Bueller is a superstar. And he goes game one, game four most likely if he's available. Right. I guess I haven't seen this, the, the probable pitchers yet. But you didn't even basically have to use Dustin May for more than a handful of innings. That kid can go out and light you up for four innings. They're deep. They're deep in a lot of spots. They really didn't even have to use that bullpen too much. You know, they didn't get to Jansen. They used a couple of uh, of middle relievers for six outs in the last couple of games. They're deep. They're young. They have been here before. We've talked about the experience. It matters like it matters in the NBA. You know, when you get mm-hmm. down to it, when the pressure gets maximum, you have to kind of know what you're doing and, and know what that feeling feels like. So, I'm all in. I think it's a, it'd, it'd be bad for baseball because this thing would end before the weekend. But I do think it's going to end before the weekend. I think this thing runs right out and uh, the Dodgers run away with it finally. But two really good teams, clearly two really good teams. The Rays are an incredible story. The 28th payroll in all of baseball. They were that way to start the year. They are that way to finish the year. You're talking about the second payroll versus the 28th payroll. We talked about the headlines this offseason. There's not too much to talk about. Here's what Vegas doesn't have yet, and I'm not quite sure why, but we love to talk about it with the other sports. Let's get to it here. Who's going to be this MVP, Scott? Hmm. Oh, interesting. I did some numbers or, or, or some quick look at the past 10 World Series MVPs. Only two of them are pitchers. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you got to have sense. a you got to have a pitch a pitch heavy series where somebody can dominate. You know, and certainly we saw that with the Nationals. That's why Strasburg was a clear choice. Um, and Bumgardner six years ago, same thing. He just literally took that team on his back. I don't think we have that kind of pitcher in this series. Do you? No, I don't. I think it's going to be a, a position player. Okay. I, I, I'm leaning towards Bellinger. I think that's who gets it. Okay. All right. Um I got to tell you, he had a terrible postseason. So he has. If you're right, then you're in this, the same line of thinking that I am. That everybody's going to carry this momentum, himself included, 
and just torch this World Series. So I'm, I'm inclined to, to agree with you there that Bellinger becomes that player. Um, I just feel like we haven't seen Maximum Mookie yet. He's going to be, I don't think he, he's probably going to be the favorite whenever these odds come out, but it just feels like he's probably going to break out because he's been here before in, in another sense. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I just think it's probably his time to break out a little bit, but the, the, the sort of unknowns or the, the sleeper picks that I'm assuming based on the odds that aren't out yet. I mean, Walker Bueller, if he gets two, if he gets two starts, he's going to be, Incredible odds as a pitcher, um, you know, yeah, especially if he goes, deep. especially if he goes deep. Yeah, a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer, who can have six doubles and four home runs in a series. You know, he's been banged up since since he was hit by that pitch. If he's healthy and he's swinging the bat well, he can dominate a series. And obviously, the the, the Randy Rosarino situation is going to have him in the odds as well. And we didn't even talk about Corey Seager, who had home run, who had a home run basically every third at bat. <laughs> with the past two weeks. So, you know, we've had one shortstop, by the way, in 10 years, win the MVP. One. We've had a utility player in Ben Zobrist. It's really kind of been all over the board, which is interesting. You know? It is. There's really no position. You know, like this time of year, it's all quarterbacks. All quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, if even Derrick Henry is going to have an impossible task to win the MVP. Impossible. So, it, it's just, baseball's kind of funny that way. And, you know, it's similar to basketball where... You can talk yourself out of the big men, but this time of year, the big men matter. Everybody matters in basketball in the postseason. You know, we talked about how important that was. So that's kind of where we are right now. It, it's it's a massive crapshoot. So if you want to bet Max Muncy at wherever he's going to be in the middle of the MVP pack, do it. Because if Max Muncy hits three home runs this series, he's going to win the damn MVP. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, I just think, like, you know, this is one of those places you can bet every horse. And do pretty well on because the odds for some of those guys are going to be low. Like, where's Bellinger going to be? Are they going to ride that home run and make him a top three favorite? I don't know. He had a terrible postseason, I but know. it's you know it's what have we but, done? What have we bat, done for me lately? Right, right. Bat, bats can come alive real quick. I'm I'm in, really intrigued to see the odds, but spitballing about it is just as fun. I'm going to put my money on. Boy, Betts is such a softball answer, even though I like it. Well, I'm I'm picking the Dodgers to sweep. I'm doing it, Scott. Max Muncy. Max okay. Muncy, World Series MVP. Lock it up. What's your official pick? Bellinger? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm going to go Bellinger. Even though his bat hasn't come alive, I think it, it comes alive at some point, and he's going to be the, the kid to... Uh, raise that trophy up good stuff what's going on with the site i know you've been busy anything to talk about specifically with the site oh yeah sure i mean we've we've been adding some sports here we've added um tennis uh wta and atp uh top earnings yeah career earnings on those players right career earnings on those players we've been um i added lpga career earnings Mm -hmm. so we've got that on there uh, we've added NASCAR, so you can do that. We're slowly adding in back years. We've got all the way back to 1990, uh, 1989 at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're updating that frequently. We've added NWSL women's soccer professional here in the United States. So we've added that and sort of, they don't have salaries necessarily with them, but we've been keeping track of, you know, when they, their options are or what their contract status is just to have that information out there because there's not really a, a one-stop shop place for that. Yeah, so, more about the f- terms and the free agencies with a lot of these sports, right? Yeah, so so we've been adding a, a lot of different areas here, trying to spread things out and put as much financial information out there as we can gather here. Sounds great. Anything in basketball world we should hit, hit on or is it just uh, kind of ramping up until we know the official dates? Yeah, official dates. Um, it still sounds like the 109 is going to be where things trend towards. Have not heard of free agency dates or anything like that. It does sound like the NBA is keeping the November 18th date for the draft as is. There's been <laughs> it's some an awful draft. Stuff. It is. It's awful. <laughs> it's not, it, it sounds like Minnesota's looking to trade yeah. out. And who, who's going to trade up to take that and give up picks to to go up there and get that? Um, so 
but it sounds like that is staying where it is. And I've, I've heard a lot of different dates being thrown out there, whether it's January or in February, or even I've heard March potentially starting, depending on how things fall, because they, they really want fans to be in the stands for the games when they do ramp back up. So a lot of things are up in the air. I guess they're at the negotiations, uh, like every day trying to figure things out and get things figured out. So, um, as we get closer here, once we know a little bit more with free agency, we'll, we'll be sure to talk about that stuff. We did have a couple of opt outs, right? Oh yeah, we did. Of course, from the Lakers. Yeah. So we've, um, three players have said they're opting out, uh, Caldwell Pope, Rondo, they've opted out. And then Anthony Davis said he's opting out, but he will resign with the Lakers. So, um, it's funny. The other two did not, right? There was really no reference of that. Many people think Rondo definitely won't. I have to think Caldwell Pope will try. Yeah, you got to keep in mind, they did have player options, so they opted out. And they can re-sign with the Lakers. They have rights, so they can sign them to certain stipulations depending on what their rights are and sign over the cap when they're at that point. Same with Davis. They have his bird rights, so they're going to sign him to the the max deal most likely. But um, it's all about... You know, in their case, they showed that they still have a little bit of something in the tank in, in these playoffs, and they're going to go out and see what they can get even higher. You know, as we've talked, free agency, the numbers, you know, there, there's not going to be a lot of space available, but there are exceptions. So there are teams yeah. that could use their mid-level or their biannual if they have that. Uh, to sign some of these players, which would be more than what they probably would have gotten if they signed at their minimum or it, it, a, a lower value somewhere else. So, um, but those are two, three players that um, have opted out. And as more players start to say that they're opting out, we'll, we'll get them updated. Tell me why I shouldn't put a hundred dollars on the Golden State Warriors at ten to one. Oh, you should. <laughs> <laughs> No, you should because, you know, they're they're getting all their core back. They've been do, doing these mini off-season workouts already. So they've been practicing. They have Wiggins. Who knows if he'll stay there, if they'll move him, who they'll take in the draft, or if they're going to trade for someone. Yeah, yeah, right now that's that's probably a smart bet because they're going to be back in the fold unless they're all injured again. Where's Boogie Cousins? Well, he, he was with the Lakers, and then they released him because he was injured. They renounced his uh, right, so he's just out there right now trying to recover? Yeah, pretty much. Well, they waived him, so they don't have his rights anymore. Yeah, they renounced um, him, right, so yeah. He, so, so he can sign wherever he wants. I mean, going to Golden State at a minimum salary, you know, might be a no-brainer. I'm, I'm hearing Dwight Howard there. Yeah, that'd be interesting, too. You know, that's the thing with some of these older vets. You know, we just talked about with yeah. baseball with older vets. The NBA, they're starting to use these older vets that may may not be at their upper echelon, but they still have something in the take. Dwight Howard caught lightning in a bottle with the Lakers, and if he can catch lightning in a bottle again with a team to even, even give 10 minutes or, you know, 12, right. 15 minutes or whatever it might be, that that is a, a – an well, experienced body on the court that you don't you, you you'd rather probably have that than a player who might be undrafted and you not necessarily know what they're going to be. You may throw them in the G League or or something like that and on a two way. But having Howard in the depth or or Cousins if he's a hundred percent healthy and having that depth, especially the big man that we just saw in in. Win the champion, you know, you've got LeBron and AD, the, the big guys that they're not going to be pushed around. If you can have those guys on that Golden State Warriors team or any other team, it, it's something to look at right now. Yeah, two quick points on that. One is what we're finding about the big men now is because there was a point where we, we just said, well, they're useless. Just go small and shoot threes. A, you need them, but they're also getting hurt as much as they've ever gotten hurt. I mean, that's just, that's just a thing right now. This current quick pace game is not for, you know, seven footers, generally speaking, the up, the back and forth. So you need a lot of them. You need depth. You need guys who can share minutes, who can give you 10 to 15, 12 to 15, 
on a regular basis, maybe not even every game. Maybe it's twice a week, like Howard was used. That, that stuff's going to matter. That's going to matter to championship teams. So those guys are going to be crazy valuable. Not crazy expensive. Maybe a little bit more expensive than last year because we did just see how, how invaluable it was. But we're going to see those guys get signed. We're going to see a market for Andre Drummond if he opts out. We're going to see a market for Tristan Thompson. We're going to see those kind of things, you know, Hassan Whiteside. They're going to find homes on good teams because good teams, like running back Scott, need a lot of depth for a lot of coverage at a position that is important. Your other point, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Buffalo here, so a lot of these off-seasons with the Bills was, you know, for the past two decades was how do we match up with the Patriots? How do we match up with Tom Brady's Patriots? What do we have to do defensively to stop Tom Brady from scoring touchdowns against us? That's what this offseason is going to be for, like, the entire Western Conference, right? How do, we, how do we do this? How do we, you know, score over or get around or match up height-wise with those two gigantic, you know, players at a four and five position on the Lakers team? It's going to be a, a big rethinking of roster construction, right? It is. And depth is going to be key, especially with this upcoming season, because if, if they do push to have an 82 game season, there's going to be way more back to backs than there have been in the last few seasons, right. just because they're they're going to be under a time crunch to get as many games in the, the league year will still be if they get 82 games, it'll be still be 177 days, but they're still going to have to play more back to backs because they're going to have to make sure that. You know, they're they're in one city and then have to get to another. And the, the, the schedule is going to be interesting. Um, but depth is going to be extremely important. I think this upcoming season, we sort of saw it with the Lakers. They had more depth in, and played more guys at, at certain points of the games than the Miami Heat did. I mean, Butler can only play 47 minutes so many times and before he gets exhausted. So, you know, Saw if, that if with you Harden. can have All, a lot of years with Harden, right? Well, and, and you you make a great point with the big man. Look at the Houston Rockets. Yeah. They got rid of their big men. They, they shipped Capella out and they tried to do the small and, and fast and it sort of caught up with them. And now they're essentially going to have to refactor quite a bit with new GM, new head coach and all that stuff. So, but depth is going to be very important because the, yeah, the de- back-to-backs with, are a good point, Scott. Well, the back-to-backs, who knows how long training camp is going to be. Right. You know, we, we know they usually only play four or five games um, in a preseason, but that may be even less because they're going to want to get the season ramped up. I mean, look, we're already in the middle of October. They still have to collectively bargain so much. If they have free agency, say, end of November, that's going to push you into middle of December-ish, and then you're going to have to have some kind of camp. We're talking probably mid-January as a turnaround. And in some of those players, you know, the Lakers and the Miami Heat, that, that's not a lot of turnaround for those bodies to have to, to recover. And, and LeBron's the best at it. I mean – he does some amazing things with his body to re to revamp himself. But, yeah. you know, in the first two, two months, he's going to be sort of a shell of himself yeah. just to, you know, get out there or get the rust off. And depth is going to be important for a lot of these teams because of the unknowns and time frame of everything. Okay. Let's finish on this. I think I'm going to ask you the end of every single show until it happens. Does Giannis get traded this off season? I'm going to say it'll be a, a 51-49, and I'm going to say 51% yes. I feel like some big chip has to fall. So why, I not, do too. So why not him? I do, too. I think something's going to happen. I, I don't know if he necessarily wants to be there. Um, Harden or Giannis? Think, who's more likely? Um, Giannis. You're, wel- you're welcome, everyone, for your poll questions this morning, by the way. Uh, Giannis because of the financial matching purposes Harden it's possible we saw it with Chris Paul but you're going to have to give up quite a bit Giannis is only at 25 right now right is that right 25 goes up to 27 for next season I think it is and um, so 
I think he would get moved before Harden. I think it'll be right now. It's probably close to 50, 50. I'm going to say for 51, 49, but I think he does make a move. Um, if he tells the bucks, uh, I'm not signing this max extension, super max extension. Then I, I think that they're going to start, start the phone calls. Paul George and a crap load of Microsoft stock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, you know, you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a a big team calling. Whether it's the Warriors, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's you know the Rockets, the the Rockets, whoever it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big team taking a big splash. And if for some reason he does not move, there are going to be teams making sure their free agency for the following year is ready. And I know the Dallas Mavericks are already, they've been planning for this to happen. So they're going to be a team that's going to push real hard for him. Good stuff. My thanks to the athletic visit the athletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the spot track podcast. (laughs) 